welcome to semester three, episode three of our Just Admit It podcast, where former deans and directors of admission give it expert insight into the complex higher ed landscape. I'm Katie, a former senior assistant director of admissions at MIT, and joining me today is my friend and colleague, Krista, who was an assistant director of admissions at Johns Hopkins University. In this episode, we're going to discuss the differences between each decision round option and how students can develop an application strategy using the different decision rounds. But before we dive into the nitty gritty of all of the different deadlines, uh, tell me, Krista, did you apply early to college back in the day when you were applying? Yeah, I applied to Hopkins early decision one back in the day. How did you make that decision? What made you want to decide to apply early decision? What did that process kind of look like for you? There's actually a really funny story behind it. So I grew up in the Baltimore area and my sophomore year, my school took us to all the local colleges and I had food poisoning. So we visited Hopkins and I went to open the admissions doors and they're super, super heavy. And I threw up in the trash can right there in the admissions office where However, many years later, I started working and then I associated Hopkins with being sick for two years. <laughs> and then right before senior year, my mom said, why don't we just check out the local colleges once again? Because I was applying to schools all over the country. And she said, Hopkins is the right size, has the right programs for you. It has everything you want on paper. And so I said, OK, even though I associate it with growing up, I will go again. And the moment I stepped back on campus, the August leading into senior year, I just fell in love and I just got that feeling that it was the right place for me. So it truly wound up being the best fit and I applied early decision. Awesome. And I'm assuming you got an early decision. Yep. Went there undergrad awesome. and grad as well. Oh, so, so nice and easy. Well, well, similar to you, I applied early action. Um, I only applied to five schools back in the day, but Boston College was definitely my top choice. And so I applied there early because I knew I wanted to apply there and I'd done all the testing that I needed to do and had my letters of recommendation. And I was just like chomping at the bit to find out that decision. Um, so yeah, submitted my application for November one and then getting my decision was super stressful. And I almost murdered my brother because he was home and I was taking all of my midterms at school and they tried to deliver the package, like, you know, the, the big envelope and all of that kind of stuff. And he was upstairs sleeping and did not answer the door. And so I was like, there's a package that's coming from America. Cause I was living in the Netherlands at the time and you didn't answer the door. And so I knew they were going to try and deliver it again the next day. We like called all over to try and see if we go to like the package delivery plant and be like, can we please pick it up? And they're like, no, we'll deliver it again tomorrow. So needless to say, I did not do, I think, super well on that midterm that I took the next day because I was so anxious to find out whether or not I had gotten in. Um, and then, yeah, I rode my bike home from school. It was like five miles and it's the fastest I've ever ridden, um, raised home and finally was there when they delivered the package and then opened it. And I was like, oh, you got admitted. Um, so very exciting, but super stressful. Um, but it was nice to be kind of done early in the year and have the rest of my senior year to not be as stressed about the application process. Um, but those are kind of two examples of, uh, early programs that you can apply through. Um, I thought maybe it'd be helpful if we just kind of go through the nitty gritty of the different application rounds. So 
Krista, since you've worked at a place that has early decision and you also applied early decision, what what exactly do students need to know about ED and ED2? Thanks, Katie. So the most important part of your application strategy is creating that balanced list of colleges that are going to be a great fit for you and your personal interests. And so it's important that you identify colleges that are really good fit for you. And so you should do that through doing research in academics, uh, their majors that they offer, the size of the schools, the location of the universities, the activities that the students participate in, the social life, and the financial aid and tuition fit. And so you should consider how each of these factors fit into your personal goals, your interests, and your needs. And so you can do this through looking at schools' websites, following their social media pages. A lot of schools have been really up to date with lives recently, so that's a good place to go on Instagram. Uh, reading the university's publications and visiting their campus either virtually or in person if you can. And so a common question we get is how long should, you, should your balanced list be? And so I'm sure as you're all aware, more students are applying to colleges than ever before, sometimes at really alarming rates. So according to NACAC, which is the national um, professional organization for those who work in the admissions side, both on the college side and on the high school and counseling side, according to NACAC, 36% of applicants applied to seven or more colleges in 2017 an increase of 17 percentage points since 2007, so a decade earlier. That number might not seem so overwhelming, but there have been reports of students applying to upwards of 20, 40, 60 colleges, and that's a lot of colleges, right? And so your school might have its own guidelines, but at Ivy Wise, we tend to advise our students to have a balanced list of somewhere between 10 to 15 best fit schools. Any more than that, uh, it will diminish the quality of the applications, the essays will suffer. A lot of colleges require supplemental essays um, in addition to the general essay that you send to most if not all colleges. So those are tailored to each of those colleges that require those. And so if you overdo the number of applications and diminish the quality, that will ultimately harm your chances of admissions to all those different places. So it's important to keep your college list manageable in order to minimize your stress and maximize your chances of admissions to all your top choice colleges. And so you've heard me say the word balanced a lot. So what does that mean? The idea is, is to have a range of colleges to choose from. And so there'll be some that will be um, slightly potentially easier for you to get into and some that are potentially harder for you to get into. And so there are some that are also right in the middle, right on what we call target. And so this is allows you by having a balanced list to go for your dream schools while still also setting those realistic expectations about where you may or may not be admitted. And making sure by the end of the process that you have a number of acceptances from schools that would be a good fit for you. And so the most important thing to remember is that every single college on your list, whether it's that far reach, right? Very highly selective colleges with a 4% admission rate, right? That's a reach for everyone. So those colleges that are a high reach or whether it's a very likely school for you, 
whether you're applying early decision or rolling admissions, every school that you should that you apply to should be a school that you would love to be admitted to. And so this by having that list of schools at all levels, uh, the reaches, the targets and the likelies and having schools that you will love at all those different levels means that you will be thrilled to come next fall and to start your college process, no matter which school on the list it winds up being. And so as you develop your college list, pay attention to the decision rounds. Not every school offers the same decision rounds. And so it's important to pay attention to what type of rounds they offer and when they offer it and determine if there are any schools that you want to apply early to. And so with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Katie to talk about what are the different types of decision rounds. Wonderful. Thanks, Krista. Um, so I remember being very, very confused by all of the different terms that were being thrown around. Um, so I think it's helpful to provide a bit of a broad overview of the different decision rounds that the schools on your list might offer. Um, so there's two types of early rounds, um, early decision known sometimes as ED and early action known as EA. Um, the timing for these can vary depending on the round and the school, um, but typically these applications are due in early November um, and the decisions come out sometime in mid-December. Um, with these two types of decision rounds, there are also a variety of options within them. Um, so early decision one, early decision two, single choice early action, restrictive early action, and we'll get into these um, later in, in the presentation. Um, the most popular round for students to apply to college is regular decision, um, also known as RD, so lots of abbreviations in the admissions world. Um, and regular decision applications are typically due in January or February, um, and those decisions come out in March or April. And then there are some universities out there that offer rolling admissions um, where there is not a hard deadline. Um, and so you can kind of submit your application whenever you're ready. But we'll, again, get into more detail about that. Um, colleges, you know, like to offer all of these different options for you to apply but there's a lot of different policies that exist. Um, so it's really important to research every school that you're applying to, what the different decision rounds are that are offered, and really understand what options are available to you for every school on your list. Um, the reason that schools offer these different admissions rounds is so that they can manage their enrollment. Um, so manage the enrollment of incoming class and optimize their yield, um, which is definitely a term you hear in the admissions realm a lot, but kind of was foreign to me, certainly as a high school student. Um, and yield is essentially the percentage of admitted students who actually enroll in a school. Um, so for the highly selective Ivy League schools, where the admit rates are very, very low, um, their yields are quite high. Um, you kind of assume that most students admitted will eventually matriculate, uh, but even Harvard, you know, worries about their yield. Um, they yielded 85% of the students for the class of 2025, and that's still, you know, it's still stressful because you want to make sure you are enrolling the right number of students. Um, and as more and more students apply to in increasing numbers of colleges each year, it can be challenging for admissions officers to gauge an applicant's predicted yield um, during the regular decision round. Admissions officers want to admit students who are likely to accept the offer of admission, who are going to come to that school in the fall. Um, and so an easy way for them to know a set number of students that are going to enroll is through offering an early decision program. Um, so the early decision is a binding acceptance um, and admissions officers can be sure their school is 
that um, applicant's number one choice because you're applying their early decision and you're making that commitment to enroll in the school by applying early decision. Um, some other things to know about kind of early action and early decision is the rounds tend to have a much higher acceptance rate than that of regular decision. Um, so for example, for the incoming class that just started maybe this week or next week, I'm not sure when Duke starts, uh, their admissions rate um, for early decision was 16.7% compared with 5.7 for regular decision. Um, Yale this past year was 10.5% for early action. Um, and then 4.6% for regular decision. Um, those statistics can make it seem like, oh, it's so much easier to get into Yale or into Duke for early. Um, and to some extent, you know, there, there's a slight advantage, but what I will say, you know, certainly from my time at MIT and what's true of many highly selective institutions is that the early pool is really, really competitive um, and a very self-selecting pool of students. Um, this is when a lot of applicants who have, you know, those very well-defined hooks like recruited athletes or students who are um, applying to the same place their parents went. So legacy students um, may apply during that early action or early decision round. So that, that higher acceptance rate can be a little bit deceiving um, because there's kind of students that are already getting a bump in the process um, because of those hooks that they have. Um, the, the top 50 or so colleges um, typically fill about 45, 46% of their class through early decision. Um, even though early decision only accounts for about 9% of the total applications each year. Um, so some examples, NYU over the past couple of years um, has admitted about 60% of their freshman class through early decision, um, one and two, meaning only about 40% of their class is um, being admitted during regular decision, which makes regular decision much, much more competitive because so many more students are applying during that RD round. Um, UPenn, as another example, typically fills about 55% of their freshman class from the early decision pool. Um, and that leaves only about 1,200 spots left for, you know, the 50,000 regular decision applicants. Um, so it's it's definitely challenging. Um, and going, you know, going back to the NACAC, um, the Association for College Admissions Counseling um, that Krista mentioned, Colleges have really been reporting over the past couple of years a, a pretty dramatic increase in the number of early decision applicants. Um, I think anecdotally, this is something I definitely saw um, last year with a lot of students and the uncertainty of COVID, um, wanting to have that, that kind of secure, all right, if I get an early decision, I know where I'm going, I know I'm going to college. Um, but you know that's not just a, a COVID trend. That's something that's been happening for many years. Um, you know, UPenn, for example, had um, 6,400 applicants for the class of 2024, so that's two years ago, um, compared to the class of 2014 had only 3,800, only 3,800, but, you know, that's a, that's a big increase, about 67% increase in early decision applicants over a decade. Um, so there's definitely a lot of increase um, in the number of applicants that are considering early decision and end up applying early decision. Um, so this is, you know, this is a lot of data, I know, um, when we've got more up on the slide, but these are things to consider as you think about where you might want to apply early decision um, and how you want to strategize around your applications. Um, so with, uh, with that said, I'm going to turn it back over to Krista to go even deeper into kind of what early decision means. 
So early decision means that you are making a binding agreement. So you, your high school counselor and your parents sign this agreement saying, if I am admitted to, to XYZ college that has early decision, I will go to that college. So you do wanna be sure it's the place for you. Um, early decision can be early decision one or two. So early decision one uh, typically has a deadline in October or early November, and their decisions are typically released around December, typically mid-December. Um, early decision two typically has a deadline of January or February, with decisions being released in February or March. So it just depends on when you're ready to apply to your number one school. And so when you apply early decision, you will either be accepted, yay, great, congrats, you'll be denied, or you'll be deferred. So if you're deferred, that means your application will be considered again with the regular decision crowd. So both early decision one and two are binding, like I mentioned. And so you really want to be entirely confident that your ED college, whether it's one or two, is truly your first choice option. Because once again, if you are admitted, you will attend that college. And so from a university's perspective, ED is a better way to predict that yield like Katie mentioned. And so as all ED accepted students will enroll, right, there's less of that guessing game later on in the process. And so one of the benefits from the student side of applying ED is that you are demonstrating your interest to this college, right? You're saying this is my number one choice. And so by telling admissions officers, or I'll use the word AO, by telling AOs that, that you will definitely accept if you go to that college is also telling them inherently that that's your number one choice as well. And so because ED decisions are binding, you can only apply to one during the regular decision or early decision rounds. Uh, you can't essentially commit to two colleges, right? You don't want to pay two colleges tuitions. You can't do double the work, right? So you can only, that's how you can remember it, right? You can only commit to one college early decision with binding agreements. However, most colleges that have early decision will allow you to simultaneously apply to public universities that offer a non-binding early process or a rolling admissions plan. If you're accepted to a college during the early decision process, you will be required to withdraw all your other applications. If you're deferred or denied during early decision, or ED1 rather, more specifically, you can consider applying to a different college during the ED2 round. You should only, once again, do so if that second or that ED2 round, so that second round of ED, is now your new first choice school. And so some of the colleges that offer early decision include Columbia, Duke, Northwestern, UPenn, NYU. We've talked already a little bit about NYU, right? Um, of these, NYU is the only school that offers ED2, as it is not a common, not as common as ED1. Students who are interested in attending UPenn and attending UPenn, um, and who are considered legacy applicants, should keep in mind that UPenn only considers legacy during the ED round, ED1 round. So, a legacy applicant who sees UPenn as their top choice would definitely benefit from applying ED because uh, Katie mentioned those hooks, right? Being a legacy is a hook only in the case of ED there. So early decision can be a great option if you are passionate about a certain school and you are also able to meet the deadline. The acceptance rate for early decision applicants is often higher, like Katie mentioned. Um, however, that's part because of that hook piece, right? 
um, but also because the students who apply ED are often super competitive, right? They are ready to make those applications. They're on top of it, um, and they've really been on top of their game throughout the throughout the admissions process. And early decision, it's good to note, is not the right choice for every student, right? So if you don't have a clear first choice school, don't feel the pressure to pick one. Because once again, if you do early decision, you have to go there. So don't feel that you have to choose an ED school if you truly don't have one that's coming to the forefront as your first choice. You should also wait to apply during the regular decision round uh, if you have a later start in the application process or if you would benefit from having your fall grades to kind of boost the strength of your application or if you want to take more tests throughout the fall. So early decision is great for those students who are ready to apply by early November um, for ED1. You are all set to go. You have a number one choice, then great. It might be a great time for you. But once again, early decision is not the case or the right choice for all students. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Katie to talk about early action. Wonderful. Thanks for all that great information about early decision. Um, so early action, I like to think of this like when you're trying to remember the difference between the two. Early decision, you're making the decision when you apply. Early action, you still have time to take action. It's really cheesy, but it definitely helps me sometimes to, to separate it that way. Um, and so that's where the key difference with early action is that your acceptance is not binding. Um, you do not have to enroll if you are admitted there. Um, the timeline for early action is very similar to early decision one. Um, typically, those applications are due in early November um, with the decisions released in, in late December or early January. Um, and most colleges are pretty upfront on their website when, you know, when those decisions can be expected. Um, similar to early decision, you can be accepted, yay, um, denied or deferred um, for early action. If accepted, you are not required to matriculate. You do not have to go to that college. You can continue to apply to other schools during the regular decision round, um, compare your acceptance rate or your acceptances, your financial aid packages, go and visit the schools for admitted student programming and kind of make um, have a little bit longer to make that decision. If you are deferred um, during the early action round, you should follow the same steps um, that you would if you were deferred during the early decision round, um, which we'll explain in, in a couple of slides. Um, a little less than half of the top universities from US News's 2021 rankings offer some form of early action. Um, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Stanford, uh, Notre Dame offer either restrictive early action or single choice early action. Um, and these limit you a little bit in terms of what you can do, um, but do not bind you to an acceptance. So it limits where else you might be able to apply, but does not require that you enroll, for example, at Stanford or Princeton or Yale. Um, Princeton and Yale are um, single choice early action schools, uh, abbreviated to SCEA. Uh, and under um, single choice, you cannot apply to any other school, whether it's early action or early decision until you have received that decision from that single choice early action school in mid-December. Um, after receiving that decision, you're free to apply, um, you know, whether it's an acceptance, a deferral, denial, um, you're free to apply anywhere else that you'd like during regular decision or rolling admissions. Um, you could also consider applying to another school during early decision too, um, if you have a new first choice school um, 
However, you are um, under single choice early action able to apply to um, public colleges, so like state university system um, under early action, as long as their plans are not um, binding. So you cannot apply to another binding program um, under um, for early if you are applying single choice early action. Um, Harvard, Stanford, and Notre Dame offer restrictive early action. Um, and while the name is the same, there's like a few differences. Um, and so it's important to read through the policies um, for every school. For example, Harvard's restrictive early action does not permit a student to apply to any other private colleges, um, but they can still apply to the non-binding early action public schools. Um, so that's the same as single choice early action, um, but it restricts you from applying to like merit scholarship programs that might have an earlier um, priority deadline to be considered for that scholarship. And so, um, you know, if you are thinking, oh, I'm going to apply for this merit scholarship and I have to apply by their early priority deadline, but I'm also applying to Harvard restrictive early action, you wouldn't be able to apply to both. Um, and then, you know, talking about Notre Dame's restrictive early action, um, they'll let you apply to other early action programs, um, but you just can't apply to any school that is um, early decision. Um, Georgetown operates under a, a similar policy. They just don't refer to it as restrictive early action. So my, uh, my best advice is make sure you read through all the policies um, of these schools, and they're pretty clearly um, delineated on the school websites. Um, single choice early action, restrictive early action are, are good options for students who are ready to apply to school they really like, but don't necessarily want to be bound by the decision of the school. So you don't, you're not saying like, I absolutely 100% want to enroll in this school. Um, however, most colleges that offer these options are, are very selective. And so keep in mind your application needs to be the best it possibly can be when you're applying. Um, these rounds, just like early decision, are very competitive. Um, and if you're application is not quite ready, um, you know, you might be on the receiving end of not the best decision and not, not the decision that you want to see in the middle of December. Um, but again, make sure you're reading all of the policies um, for each of these schools. And definitely you can reach out to your school counselor, your guidance counselor for clarification on any of these or um, contact the schools if you have questions about any of this. Um, even though you don't need to be 100% confident that um, your early action schools are your top choice um, because you don't have to enroll in there, you, you know, you may still benefit from waiting until regular decision. Um, you know, if you need that first semester to bring up some grades that dipped at the end of junior year, then maybe regular decision is a better, um, better option for you. Um, if you, you know, you're working on something really cool this first semester and you want it to be considered as part of your application, maybe it's better to wait until regular decision. Um, and so uh, something else to keep in mind though as well, um, there are a lot of schools that offer um, both early action and early decision. And so, you know, you kind of have that flexibility to choose what program or what um, admissions program is best for you. Um, 18 of the top 100 universities um, offer both early action and early decision. Um, some examples, University of Virginia, University of Chicago, Miami, Tulane, Villanova. Um, and so, you know, these are, great schools where you can kind of decide what the best program is for you. 
Um, but the most popular and uh, the way that most students apply to college is through regular decision. Um, and I'm going to pass it back over to Krista to go over uh, what to expect with regular decision. So, so far we've talked about mostly early applications, right? Early decision, early action. And so regular decision, the timing is a little bit later. So typically it's due in early January. So right after the new year. And so um, this, Colleges will read all the applications for regular decision at once and then notify you in March or April. And so you typically have to turn around and give your decision uh, by May 1st in most cases. And so April is always a very crazy, hectic month as you're going to all these admitted student events and trying to make that decision. Um, so if you are applying to the regular decision round, you'll either be accepted, denied, or waitlisted. And so if you were deferred from a college during the early decision or early action round, you'll receive a new decision during the regular decision round, um, which would be one of those three options. If you were accepted to a college during regular decision, it is not binding. So you can see all your acceptances, all your financial aid or merit award scholarships and be able to compare and then make that decision typically once again by May 1st. Uh, the typical deadline is to notify by May 1st, as I've been saying, but just know that with COVID, things have been a little bit weird. So, and because regular decision acceptances are not binding, you're able to apply technically to as many of those colleges as you want, right? Because you're not promising that you'll go to one college. With that said, once again, we recommend between 10 to 15 schools that, that span across that reach target and likely groups. And once again, that's what we call a balanced list. And so you can apply to colleges before the regular decision due date. Um, that's your prerogative, especially that's a good time if you've applied early action or early decision, uh, that kind of lull between when you hear from, when you apply and when you hear back from the colleges, that's a really good time to get uh, working on your regular decision applications. Um, although you send it in earlier, doesn't mean you'll hear back earlier. So that's something to know. And if you are accepted early decision, to any of these schools, you will have to withdraw your application should you be accepted. And so regular decision is a really great option for students who need more time to do research on crafting that balanced school list. They need to finalize their applications. They need to improve their fall grades or they need to reach those goal test scores if they're trying to submit testing with their applications. And so the last round we want to talk about is something called rolling decision, which happens all throughout the year. So I'll let Katie talk about that a little bit more. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, so the final type is rolling. Um, and this is where college admissions officers are reviewing completed applications basically as soon as they are received. Um, so for these schools, um, there is not a hard deadline. Um, rather, they'll accept applications typically anytime between September and May. There's some schools like with the common application, you have to put a farm deadline in there at some point. So a lot of them will be like July of the, the summer right before you'd enroll in that school. Um, typically, though, you again, you can submit that application um, whenever um, you are ready to submit and you typically will receive your decision within a few weeks after submitting your application and it becoming complete. Um, spots are usually filled on a first come first serve basis. So it's definitely best to send your application as early as possible, but keeping in mind some of those other 
um, components that you want to think about when you're considering early versus regular, you know, if you need first quarter grades or first semester grades, like maybe it's better to wait until, um, you know, you have those grades before you submit your rolling um, admissions application. Um, but, you know, know that sometimes the schools that have um, rolling admission will reach their enrollment. And so then applications close. And so, you know, don't, don't wait until the end of the process thinking, oh, I can just, I can submit it in May, like after I finish the whole year. Um, if you apply to a school that offers rolling um, admission, you'll be either accepted, denied, or waitlisted. There isn't um, typically a deferral um, process that happens with rolling admissions, um, unless they're like, we want to wait and see your, your mid-semester grades or something like that. Um, but usually they'll just not communicate a decision to you and um, you'll instead get it once those mid-year grades are submitted. Um, like early action and regular decision, um, this acceptance is, is non-binding, so you're not required to attend that school if you're accepted. Um, rolling admissions is typically offered by um, more public state universities like Penn State, Michigan State, Arizona State, um, the University of Alabama, um, but there's definitely a, a good number of private colleges out there that offer rolling. Um, and rolling can be a great um, option for students who are prepared to apply early to schools um, and want to complete a few applications before submitting their early action or early decision applications to other schools. Um, it can be a very big stress reliever to have, you know, a couple of acceptances in hand while you're awaiting, you know, nail biting those early action or early decision notifications or even for regular decision. Um, you can apply to as many rolling decision um, colleges as you want because there's no commitment to attend. Um, the kind of only caveat to know is, you know, if you are accepted to an early decision school during that round after submitting to a rolling admissions program, you would need to withdraw your rolling admissions application or decline any acceptances that you've already received. Um, rolling admissions can also be a good start or a good option for students who are getting a late start in the application process and might have missed some of the regular decision deadlines. Um, definitely at the school I worked with, I had a lot of students that you know, it, senior year, like maybe they got a concussion or something playing soccer and needed a little bit longer. And so it was helpful to have um, some more application deadlines or rolling applications that they could submit after those big January 1 deadlines. Um, and then there are many schools out there, um, not many, but a good number of schools that um, do accept applications after May 1st. Um, so May 1st is the, the universal candidate reply date. So that's when you need to enroll in a college by. Um, but there are a number of schools that, you know, if they have not met their enrollment, um, they will still accept applications after that on a rolling basis. Um, so this past year, Arizona State, um, Ohio University, Penn State, um, even Providence College and Quinnipiac um, accepted applications after May 1st um, because they had not met that um, the incoming class number that they needed to meet. Um, so that's a little bit about rolling. And now we're going to kind of dive, uh, dive deeper into the, the strategy side of things um, and turn it over to Krista to talk a little bit about um, application rounds by school. And so I re really want to reiterate, you should not rush an application. You should only apply early, whether it's early action or early decision, or even rolling on the earlier side, when you're truly ready and when you truly have the strongest application possible. 
do not apply early with a not complete or not your best work application because once again that could jeopardize your your admissions likelihood and so now that you understand what college decision rounds are and the different ones that they have and how they differ from each other and their requirements we're, we'll share some tips that you should keep in mind as you're developing your own personal strategy and so first and foremost, it's really crucial that you thoroughly research the decision rounds that are offered by every college on your list. And so some colleges offer lots of decision rounds. For example, UChicago offers four choices. So they have early action, ED1, ED2, and regular decision. On the other hand, MIT only has two. They have early action and regular decisions. So it looks different for every college. So keep all those different dates, deadlines, and types of rounds in mind. Um, some other schools might even offer what we call ED3. We haven't really talked about that yet, but where students can change the regular decision application that they submitted to ED2 if they submit the proper paperwork by a certain deadline. And so as you research schools and add them to your college list, you should understand which rounds they offer and all the different pieces that go into that application process. And so always be be sure to adhere to those policies because you do not want to apply to other colleges that you're not supposed to and the reason we keep bringing this up right we keep saying you have to withdraw your application if you're admitted ed um, you really need to keep in line with those single choice policies right for early action schools uh, for certain early action schools because it could jeopardize your possible acceptance to all the schools that you are um, not following their policies for. And so it's really important to keep all the policies in mind for that reason. And so as you're applying to early decision, you should really consider your commitment to that school. And so I mentioned this earlier, but you should be 100% confident that that is your first choice above and beyond all the other colleges on your list. Um, you want to determine if a school is your first choice as you're conducting your research and the information that you gather shows that it's a right fit for you given your specific interests, your goals, and your personality and the financial fit for you. Additionally, you should ensure that your application is in the best shape possible. So that's why I said not to push it ED or EA or early rolling if you know it's not there, if it's not ready because it's most important that you're putting your best application forward to really showcase who you are to the best of your ability to these colleges, more so than rushing it to just apply on the early end. So along with that, you want to consider each part of your application. So what do I mean by putting forward the strongest application possible? So think about your transcript. Do you need to have the fall grades to really show an upward trend, right? Are you getting better as the classes are getting more challenging? Are you maturing maybe, right? Maybe you need that extra semester. Uh, what are your recommendations gonna look like? Would you really like to get those fall teachers as your recommenders? What are your essays going to look like? What are your standardized test scores if you submit them? Do you need more time to take those tests and study for those tests? And so if any of those aspects of your application could benefit from having more time and strengthening, strengthening it during the fall semester, you'd likely be better off applying later in the process through regular decision. The early decision pool is filled with very, very competitive applicants. So once again, it's really critical that you are as compelling an applicant as possible. And so if you are applying early decision, you must be sure to check off the appropriate boxes as well in your application and complete all necessary forms, uh, such as early the, the early decision contract. So just because you're submitting an application early 
doesn't necessarily mean to the admissions office that you're applying early decision. So you need to be sure that you check off that list, that box on your application. Um, they would otherwise just assume that you're applying regular decision. Uh, some colleges will allow you to change your decision after you submit an application, but the policies really vary by school. So for example, UVA only allows students to change their decision within 24 hours of submission. So keep that in mind. You can, it is possible to change which round you want to apply to, potentially depending on the policies. And so if you're applying to any college's early decision or early action, you should still plan on applying to the other colleges on your list during regular decision or rolling admissions um, in the case that you're deferred. So be prepared during that time between when you submit on, let's say, November 1st for your ED1 round and when you're going to be applying regular decision. Start preparing those supplements or any other materials. If you're sending in a music supplement, right, anything like that, start preparing that in advance because otherwise, let's say you hear back from your ED1 school and it's December 15th, you only, you're like, shoot, I only have two weeks to get this all together before regular decision, right? You don't want to put yourself in that position. So start working on all those different applications while you are waiting to hear back about your early schools. If you're deferred during the early rounds, there are important next steps to take. And we have a webinar um, and lots of resources on our website. You can, check it, you can check out about that. And so although we completely understand receiving a deferral is very disappointing and not the news you wanted to hear, as long as you have that balanced school list, you'll have a lot of options available to you that you'll hopefully be very excited about in your process. And so if you identify a new top choice school after applying to your initial one during early decision one, you should consider applying to it early decision two if the school offers that. So if your second choice, first choice school, <laughs> your second first choice school has ED2, it would be worth it to think about applying ED2. So many popular colleges have ED2, for example, BU, so Boston University, Colby, Colgate, Emory, Johns Hopkins, NYU, Northeastern, Vanderbilt, Wash U, and St. Louis. And so you should really finalize your regular decision applications and submit them ahead of the deadline, as well as consider any colleges for ED2 potentially and or ruling admissions. And so to better illustrate the importance of developing a thoughtful decision strategy, we're going to share an example of a student who worked with Ivy Wise last year during the admission cycle. So this student was interested in pursuing international relations as her primary major, and she was considering a potential second major in econ. Her GPA was a 3.84 unweighted, and she scored a 34 on the ACT. So the ACT is out of 36. She was involved in a variety of extracurricular activities, including president of the Model UN at her school. She interned for NATO. She was a lead actress in her school's plays. And she identified Hopkins as her first choice school. So since she was categorizing Hopkins as a reach, her counselor at Ivy Wise advised her to apply during the early decision round. The prior year, Hopkins had an ED acceptance rate of 28%. And with RD, it was only about 7%. So while the student did earn acceptance at Hopkins uh, during the early decision round, she, while she was waiting to hear back about her decision, she started preparing her strategy and optimizing acceptances that she, um, optimizing her choices had she been deferred from Hopkins. Uh, she also applied early action to two target schools. So those were North, Northeastern and McAllister. 
And she had been deferred or did not, had she been deferred or denied from Hopkins, she was also planning on applying regular decision to additional reach schools such as Georgetown, NYU, Duke, et cetera. And so while NYU does offer an ED2 round, she was not planning on applying during that round had she been deferred or denied from Hopkins as it was not her first choice school. So it was not her second first choice school. It can be tempting to laser focus on your early decision, right? She could have just focused on Hopkins and not been preparing her other applications or not working to identify other best fit schools for her that were categorized in the likely or target realm. Um, but you really should be spending just as much time on those applications as you are for your reach schools. So once again, hopefully you're excited about all the schools on your list. So you really should be devoting that time to all of them. And so no matter which rounds you're applying to, it is crucial that you continue to focus on school throughout the year um, and continue to focus on your school's application throughout the year as well. So nearly all schools will ask you to send a mid-year grade, mid grade report. So just an update on your transcript. So it's crucial to keep your grades up during senior year and avoid succumbing to senioritis, as we call it. Um, typically, your senior year, you're, you're taking the most challenging courses possible so, so far in your, in your high school career, right? And so those are going to typically be most similar to college, uh, college classes. And so colleges are looking at how you're doing your senior fall. So you really want to make sure that you are keeping a steady pace and really succeeding in those classes. And so once you're accepted and enroll at your top choice school, you'll also be required to submit your final grades after graduating from high school. So there are some students each year who have acceptances in their hands and those acceptances are rescinded, they're taken away because they did poor performance in their senior year. So you do not want to find yourself in that position. So also continue focusing on your activities, right? Your life shouldn't be all college applications in school your senior year. Really dive in deep into taking in those leadership roles and really making an impact in what you're involved with. So uh, there's a lot to balance and juggle your senior year, but remember to stay positive, right? This is really exciting. Hopefully you're really excited about all the schools on your list and really looking forward to going to any of them. And so as long as you create that balanced list, you'll be really excited and really happy with the year that you're about to have as you enter college. Um, but I think that is all the time that we have today. So thank you so much for tuning into our Just Admit It podcast. You can catch up on all of our previous episodes by visiting the Just Admit It podcast page. And be sure to bookmark our Ivy Wise knowledge base to stay up to date with all the latest college admissions news and advice. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok for additional college prep resources. And stay tuned for our next episode in which we will share top tips on how students can set them up for set themselves up for success in the new school year, which is just around the corner. Um, thank you, everyone. Bye, everyone.